Hello, you're listening to the Bonded Books Podcast, where we discuss books, fight over book boyfriends, and the lack of filter is a family trait. If you're lucky, you might even hear one of our dogs barking in the background. Because hey, if we have to deal with them, then so do you. We hope to dazzle you with our discussion while not being hurtful to the authors we feature. Success not guaranteed. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hi. Hey. How are you? <laughs> I was just about to take a sip of coffee, but I'll wait. <laughs> no, go ahead. You know, it's funny because I, when you said you were going to call in a minute, I'm like, oh, I need a sweater. And I, I got up to run out of the room forgetting that I had my headphones plugged into my laptop. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So I wonder why suddenly I'm like, why am I getting resistance as I'm trying to run? And I turn around and my laptop is half off my desk. I'm like, oh my God. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> There's always something every time we do this. I'm like, I don't know if I'm really cut out for this, but okay. Well, you know, we learn as we go and we might just learn the entire time we go. <laughs> is that the truth or what? It's like every, maybe by our thousandth episode, God forbid, but you know, we'll have it perfected. <laughs> God forbid we'll still be doing this at a thousand or God forbid we'll still be learning or both. Who both. knows? Yeah, both. <laughs> Absolutely both. Nice. <laughs> Just yes. keeping it real. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. So, uh, um, yes, we have an interesting book to talk about today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's called It's the Freaking Apocalypse and This is My New Boyfriend by Olivia T. Turner. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. It's described as a post-apocalyptic. <laughs> I didn't describe it. <laughs> Society in the year is 2092. Zombies have taken were taking over the world after the apocalypse. And so they hired, I don't know who hired them, but I guess the powers that be hired these ravagers what a fitting name to kill the zombies and save society, which apparently they did, but because power always goes to everybody's head, they become the bad guys. We get a lot of, I wouldn't say a lot. We get the only world building in like chapter <laughs> one within the first couple of pages. Yeah. I, that's probably enough to get us started. Right? So this book, yeah, this book is only 95 pages long. So I don't expect there to be a lot of world building when the book is not even a hundred pages long. So I mm -hmm. kind of gave it a pass for that. Yes. And I did like that we got all of the info kind of at the very beginning. So just like immediately sets the scene. It's like apocalypse was this year. Those were the bad guys during the apocalypse. Now we have new bad guys. Apparently ravagers were normal people who like joined this thing to fight the zombies, but they must've been really effing good because now zombies are gone. Yeah. And and the new plague, the only plague on the world or in this portion of the country is the ravagers. And they're like bloodthirsty monsters themselves. Yeah. So if it gives you any indication, their nickname is Pussy Pirates. 
<laughs> I don't. <laughs> yeah, I guess that just about says it all. Yeah, that's pretty fitting, actually. Yeah, it is. This is first person POV from both of the main characters' perspectives. So we start off with the female main character. Her name is Marley. She's out with her BFF named Cassandra. And they're at a mall to find outfits for a wedding that they're going to. So it's like a normal like girls trip sure. to the mall to pick out outfits for this event they have in a very non-normal situation. They're like picking through things at the mall to try to find dresses or anything that they could wear to this wedding. Marley thinks that dresses are ridiculous, but Cassandra loves them. Um, they even at one point like shave their legs and their armpits which is like something they never do now there's like no need for it it's just a frivolous activity but Cassandra is so romantic and like kind of how she feels and she's like oh it's this is like a fun event like let's like live it up and do girly things that like only our grandparents used to do even though this apocalypse was like seven years ago but whatever well you forgot to mention that they shave their legs with a potato peeler I didn't make notes about that. I didn't remember that. (laughs) I thought it was hilarious. It's like, that's all they have to use is a potato peeler. They're pretty resourceful. Yeah. I would have been, I'm a bloody mess just with a razor. I can only imagine what I would do with a potato peeler, but okay. Yeah. It would be horrible. Yeah. They leave the mall, get ready. They go to this wedding. This is for a couple named Julie and Sam. They actually have a pretty fun time at the wedding and then it's at some point during like the reception time that ravagers arrive and of course ruin the party so yes because apparently the leader of this one gang his name is boris the butcher he not only loves to steal women but he loves to steal women that are brides getting married i'm like okay what do they have a homing sense that there's a wedding we must go he's like an a king from like the olden times almost. It's like, oh my God. Yeah. He's got like a sick fetish that he takes brides on their wedding day and defiles them. Like me first. And then you could have my sloppy seconds almost. He's gross. Mm. Yeah, he is. Um, They say, yeah, he loves to steal our women, but he finds new brides to be irresistible. So Marley and Cassandra try to outrun the Ravagers, but of course they're in these ridiculous dresses. Marley doesn't have any of her weapons with her because these dresses don't have pockets. (laughs) Sure. It would would ruin the look. Mm -hmm. They're pretty screwed. They very quickly get captured by a guy named Pike and one other guy... um, Marley hits one of them with like a metal pole that she found somewhere and he hits her back and knocks her out. It's a pretty violent scene. Yes. She's not going down without a fight. Good for her. Yeah. She, Cassandra's like her best friend, but also she considers her like a little sister. So she's very protective of her. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marley wakes up later on and she's near Cassandra and she panics because Dot, dot, dot. They're both virgins. Cue my eye roll. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mine too. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, but if there's an apocalypse and the world has gone to hell, I'm banging everything I can get my hands on. <laughs> Priorities. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, I'm, not, I'm not saving that cherry for anything. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. I'm not sure what they've been doing other than trying to survive the Ravagers for the past like seven or eight years that this has been going on because 
we also find out that Cassandra is 18 and Marley is 20. Mm-hmm. So they're pretty young, but they're not that young. They get taken to Boris the Butcher. Marley is instantly captivated by one of his guards that's standing behind his little like throne chair thing. Yeah, a huge guy. Of course, he's gigantic. Aren't mm-hmm. they all? Everything mm-hmm. about him is huge. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. He's the perfect male lead for a romance book. Marley tries to hit Boris and kind of fight him off. Um, he makes a gross comment about her being feisty and liking it rough. Ugh. Yeah. And all of a sudden, there's a blur behind him. And there's blood splattering on her arm. And she sees a spear coming out of his chest. And then she's like, somebody stabbed Boris the Butcher in the back with a spear. And he yells out, it's the guy. Of course, she's lusting after Mm -hmm. the guard. And he pulls a sword from his side. And he says, nobody's going to touch my girl and then he brings the sword down and slices through boris's neck yeah it cuts his head off cuts his head off if you're into the whole like stabby for my woman um trope this is perfect for you because (laughs) but i you know i don't understand what these guys they're just they're humans right yeah Oh, okay. But she's not like other girls and she's special because he's been with Boris for a while, we find out. And he's never felt like this for anybody else that Boris has defiled or taken or anybody else the Ravagers have been with. So she's got to be not like other girls. She's special, which is another trope I hate. Ugh, you're not special. You're not... (laughs) None of us are special. We, We don't all get participation trophies. I don't like... The thing I don't like about it is I want you to be special for yourself, not because you're putting other women down and like you're better than other women. That's the thing about the like, not like other girls thing that bothers me. They don't really do it in this book, but they do it in other books. Oh, I see what you're saying. So I'm really like on edge when I see that kind of, you know, dynamic in a book. Yeah. Well, I can understand why you're saying that. Uh, the thing that cracked me up about this whole scene is while he's still got his eyes locked on her, he kicks Boris's head and sends it flying across the room. Just and, a little soccer punt. Yeah. And <laughs> he's broken the ultimate o- oath by, uh, he was supposed to be Boris's bodyguard and here he is killing him. Uh-huh. So at this point we switch to his POV. Uh, his name is Max. Mm-hmm. Um, we find out that he was one of the six quote unquote chosen bodyguards for Boris. And he has spent almost an entire year with him, but thinks that no one is going to come between me and my woman. Well, of course not. Come on. <laughs> and then on, on top of it, he, we find out that he was a firefighter before all of this in Chicago. And the army apparently was the, the one that came around asking for volunteers uh, to help fight the zombies. And he volunteered. Not going to lie. His hotness factor went up about 75,000% when I saw <laughs> that he was a firefighter. Oh. <laughs> All right. I'm absolute trash for firemen. So <laughs> and I refuse to apologize for it. Well, that's fine because I am trash for all men. <laughs> 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 they're hot nice. i don't care what they do for a living i like it yeah <laughs> uh so of course now he's in the middle of like ravager camp and he just killed the head guy he 
basically goes on a killing spree. At some point in the killing spree, he gets named Max the Merciless by one of the people he's murdering. <laughs> and he like murders his way to save himself and these two girls. And he takes them to a rowboat after killing a ton of the ravagers. Oh, yeah. And they, they row down the stream to safety. Yes, that's how they get away. Yeah, he's a big mix of like brutal and sweet mm -hmm. in his POVs, and I didn't hate it actually. Oh, um, and <laughs> but I also find it. I found him really hot, but then I also thought there's definitely something wrong with me that I think he's so hot in this like crazy <laughs> possessive way. <laughs> well, like we were speaking earlier, you have your priorities. Yeah. At one point when they're in the boat, she thanks him. Mm -hmm. And he says, you don't have to thank me. Uh, you belong to me now. I, I'll always protect you. I'll always be here for you. It's like, oh, that's sweet. But also kind of stalkerish, but really right. sweet. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's like frying pan, fire situation, but she's digging it. I guess she's having hero worship, right? Like I would, I could kind of see why she would be like that. And he's super hot. And he's super her. hot. Yeah. She was eyeballing <laughs> him before he even tried to save them. Her inner thoughts are actually kind of funny because when they're rowing to safety, mm -hmm. she like thinks this to herself and I liked it. She goes, it's not like how it used to be where you could talk about movies or TV shows with your crush. What am I supposed to ask him? What is your favorite sword to kill people with? Yeah. <laughs> yes. And then um, he asks her at one point in the boat again, if she is alone and she says, aren't we all? That's kind of sad. It is, but it's sad. True. It is true. Um, at one point in this chapter, we find out that the zombie mayhem started seven years ago. So she was 13, I guess, when it started. Um, but then she also says that she ran track in high school. And that's one of the reasons she was able to escape the zombies. So I, this timeline is very suspicious in this yeah. book yeah so she her whole family was slaughtered but she was able to get away because she ran track and and could run fast yeah track in high school but i'm like sweetie you were 13 when the apocalypse started so like oh yeah you're not 13 in high school but whatever yeah but you know stop trying to use logic in this book and you'll be fine right yes mm, oh so they end up taking the boat to this little cabin that he actually has he kind of uses as his like uh, man cave when he needs to get away from the ravagers. Did you notice that? It was kind of weird. Yes, I did read that. I did understand that. That's, he needs his, his own little place to go to. His man cave is this cabin. Yeah, I'm like, you live in this camp with these ravagers, but you just also happen to have like your bachelor pad when you need to escape <laughs> all, from all the bad stuff that they're doing. Because he's a bad guy, but he's not a really he's bad not, guy. Right. Yes. And... Once they arrive at this cabin, all kinds of conversation starts happening and inner thoughts that I'm like, oh my God. Like he he's thinking to himself, I need her so much. It's painful. It hurts. It aches. Only her body can soothe it. Like, wow. I think he's known her for 4.5 minutes at this time. Oh so my God. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the conversation that starts happening <laughs> between the two of them, I'm like, oh my God. He tells her he already loves her. She's all, I wasn't expecting this to fall so deeply. And he finishes her sentences in love. It's okay, Marley, because I already love you. I haven't been able to get you out of my mind since I first laid eyes on you. I'm like, my notes say what, 15 minutes ago? Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. 
but okay. we only have 95 pages here. So, okay. We can't really do slow burn here because I mean, at this point we're already like halfway through the book. So, okay. I give a little leeway for this like insane insta love that they have going on. Well, but I hate it because they do have insta love. She puts Cassandra in the bedroom downstairs and she goes upstairs with Max and then instantly, you know, they finally, she throws caution to the wind. I've waited long enough. I'm ready to lose my virginity, I guess. And here it is. The year is 2094, I think I said. And what does he say to her? Am I the first? Okay, so I was really liking this book. I was, you know, it was bloody, yeah. but it was fine. Mm -hmm. And the dialogue was fine and pretty witty. And then we get to all of the, I shouldn't say all of the sex scenes. There's like one sex scene. But uh, his inner thoughts and his dialogue like yeah. completely ruined the book for me. Me too. I'm like, who took over this book? A 13-year-old boy that thinks he's writing a porno script? Absolutely. <laughs> this is absolutely what I was thinking. I was like, okay, this author is a woman, right? I mm -hmm. don't understand. There were sometimes during the dialogue and during these scenes, I was like, there's no way this was written by a woman because it's so bad. And it's yeah. absolutely something you would just pull directly off a of Pornhub. Yes. I don't, I don't get it. Yeah. Yeah, she's like, uh, oh, of course, you're you're my first, Max. <sighs> yeah, so they go to bed, and they have a pretty hot, like, cunnilingus scene. Okay, that's not too bad. Um, yeah, but then he's like, he does a lot of the ooing and the aahing over her body and how he's the first person to see it or touch it. I uh, was not loving it. Yeah. Uh, then she reveals she's... Oh, wait, wait, he, wait. I forgot. <laughs> you got to mention this part where he said... I, this is a part I'm dying. My notes, I, I like put so many notes in here. Like I couldn't believe what I was reading. He's yeah. He's doing an awing over her. And then he says, he thinks to himself, it's time to take that cherry. And I'm like, Oh my God. And she <sighs> thinks he has beautiful balls swelling with his potent seed. I'm like, come on. It's gross. It is really gross. It went from like decent book kind of hot to like mm -hmm. gross or really fast yeah he, he's like fucking her going she's all it's yours forever and he's all and this is yours talking about his dick there was one thing that happened before they start actually having sex that i kind of liked oh, okay what i don't like the virgin trope in books but yeah me either he reveals that he's never been with a woman either. So I was like, okay, this is a little twist that I can appreciate. They're both virgins. And then okay. this, I'm like, okay, if we're going to do a virgin book, have them both be virgins. I'll give it a little bit of a pass. And the sex was okay until he stops. And he says, you're cherry. And he makes some comment about yeah. once he tears yes. into her. She is never getting rid of him. And he's going to fuck her every day. Ugh. Then he says, okay, I'm sorry. Cover your ears or mute this or whatever. So you don't have to hear me say this. He says, I'm going to coat your womb and breed your body over and over again. A uh, full body ick when he started talking like this. That's funny because I also have that in my notes. It was so gross. He and went, she's yelling, you're fucking amazing. And he's all, you're going to take every inch of my cock, baby. Does it feel good? And she's like, so good, Max. I'm like, oh, dear God. They apparently are both virgins who don't even they're not even going to have Pornhub in this post dystopian society 
Yeah. But they've apparently watched a lot of it because they know exactly what to do if you were just downloading a video from there and like reading ver verbatim from the stupid script that they're supposed to be saying. And there's no tenderness. There's no, you know, society is dying and let's let's grab love because love is the most powerful thing. No. It's all about this, like you said, the porn, the porn hub stuff. And I, I really liked this book to begin with. And I thought, oh my God, this is going to be good. Me too. And then when it got to this, it really killed it for me because of what they're saying. Yeah. He, she's like, fuck me harder, Max. I can handle it. Own my pussy. It's yours. Oh my God. And then he's performing oral sex on her and he starts to lick her asshole. And I'm like, oh my God, do virgins do that? Come on. It's their first time together. She had absolutely no qualms with anything he wanted to do to her, which, okay, it's a zombie apocalypse, post-zombie apocalypse, whatever. So you're kind of like, appreciate everything you can. But it's so unrealistic. Okay, unrealistic for this stupid post-zombie right. book. Yes. It's ridiculous. But have some reality in your book that's so far-fetched. I can accept the <sighs> zombieism you know, ravagers yeah. and controlling society aspect. I cannot accept <laughs> two virgins who yeah. have never, she's never even had a guy see her naked. And all of a sudden he's tossing her salad and she's not squeamish about it. Yeah. I'm sorry. No. Yeah. It, it, it took me right out of the book and it was way too much. And I only finished reading the book because we had to talk about it. And I thought, Oh my God, I'm never going to hear the end of it because I picked this book. <laughs> You're going to want to kill me. It looked I, like it was going to be fun. I mean, it was fun until this. Uh, maybe this is fun for some people. I'm not into the breeding fetish. And this was very much breeding fetish. She even says to him, breed yeah. me. Yeah. Come in me. Breed me. Ooh, I had to nope right out of the sexiness of this entire book at that point. Oh, it was horrible. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> in the morning, he says to her, do you like waking up to a big cock in your bed? I'm like, oh my God. If any man ever said any of these things to me after throwing up all over him, I would have run out of that house like I was on fire. <laughs> wow. Oh my God. Yeah, it's the very next morning. And then she... Wait, he even says to her, do you like getting your throat fucked by your man? And she's just tears are running down her cheeks because she's she just is so happy to be with him. Okay, yeah, you're skipping some stuff I wanted to say. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> she, go ahead. There's just so many gross things we have to cover. Oh, all dear the... God, yeah. So he actually has in this cabin, he has uh, running water because they're near a lake. And so she had showered the night before he had showered the night before but then the next morning she goes to give him head he never showered again i'm like this is gross yeah. because you know apparently if you're a virgin you're gonna have all sorts of nasty things all over him she went from being a virgin to f my mouth really quick i was like oh what <laughs> and yeah. this is definitely when i was like this author's a man there's no way yeah he's all you're pleasing me right now dirty girl uh-huh she's never done this before because she's i mean when, if this oh. started when she was 13 she's probably never done anything before yeah but she can like deep throat like a fucking champ yeah no, no wonder he's obsessed <laughs> with her oh god 
Okay, the only thing that I did like about this scene what? was that... Go ahead. There's something. Okay, so even though he's super rough with her, as soon as they're done, he actually apologizes and says, like, he's sorry for being too rough with her and he shouldn't have done that. And she, of course, says something like, it's okay, it was great, or I don't remember what her excuse was. But I was like, okay, that's kind of nice that he's apologizing for being a little too... They always, they always apologize for being a little too rough after the fact. Well, I guess. I'm not usually in books, though. Oh, all right. I did not expect it from this guy. Okay. He was so brutal on her throat. I had sympathy throat pains. <laughs> I, I needed a lozenge after this. <laughs> oh, my God. And he even says to her, are you ready for my hot load? Oh, <laughs> oh my God. And I, she said in her mind, she's like, I just looked up at him and hoped he could see in my eyes how desperate I am for it. Oh my God. I've never read such horrible, such a horrible sex scene in my life. And it doesn't really make sense. There's no doctors. There's no medicine. If anything, I'd be like, uh, no way in fuck am I trying to have kids right now because I'll probably die during childbirth. Yeah, right. Like, exactly. No. Yes. Yeah. So some stuff is good, and then some stuff is just not. It just killed it for me. Like this passage. She says, I curl into him, resting my cheek on his chest, as I feel the warmth of his seed filling my insides. And this was after the BJ. So she means she can feel it in her stomach? I don't know. Oh, it's so gross. <laughs> I don't. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. So It's just not. It's what? just not it for me. Did you like any of this part of the book? I mean, I liked it when they weren't talking. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> I don't know. Even then. Like, I don't want to hear what they're saying. I'm going to, if you skip the dialogue and all of their inner monologues, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, I guess. You don't know what they're, what they're really thinking. And you just know that they're having sex. Yeah. Oh, uh, so their glow is interrupted by Cassandra who starts screaming that there are ravagers outside. Um, he kind of, he has like, um, what do you call it? Full body armor. He just happens to have like full body yeah. armor in the cabin. So he like suits up so he can go outside and deal with the ravagers. Uh, he gives Marley a bow and arrow and it's like, here you go. You know how to use this, right? She's like, uh, no, but I'll figure it out. It's like, no, honey, you won't. Nobody picks up a bow and arrow and is instantly <laughs> a, like freaking, who do you think you are, Hawkeye? Like, no. Yes. This is not, whatever. I must say this is not real life, but nothing in this is real life. Yeah, right. And I, I love in the middle of all this mayhem when he's putting on this suit and she's just like swooning over him. And Cassandra says to her something about, is he going to go outside? He's insane. And she goes, no, he's in love. He's doing this for me. Oh, <laughs> she says something like, that's my new boyfriend or something. Oh my so God. And Cassandra's <laughs> all, does he have a younger brother? Yes. Girl, no. Run. <laughs> run fast, run far. He thinks that he's outnumbered 30 to one. Mm. Really? Yeah. Really? Mm -hmm. 30 to one. But he's anything for his girl. Yeah, and Sander, I guess, is the other bodyguard that is now coming to... He's leading the group now that Boris is dead. And he tries to explain to him, he's like, well, Boris tried to take my girl. 
Like what? The guy's going to go, oh, okay, and turn around and walk away. I don't know. Nothing about him makes sense. He has like a couple good kills when the battle starts. Um, He makes a pretty hot battlefield declaration. Like, all I have is my girl and nobody's breaking her. And I was thinking after that Pornhub blowy he received, I'm not surprised that yes. he does that way. Yeah. And he said. Protect her at all costs. He said, I'm going to, they yell at him, you're going to do this for a woman? He goes, I'm going to kill for an angel. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Her body is heavenly. Yes, apparently so. (laughs) Oh, so they have more fighting. Then some of the people in the field start getting pierced with arrows. Like, okay, sure. She's definitely going to miss every shot she's trying to take, but okay. I don't remember what happens, but the ravagers end up running away. He, well, of course he wins. That's what happens. Yes, duh. And he yells to them, if anyone comes near my girl or me or this compound again, you're all going to die. <sighs> my and God. Marley is swooning. And Cassandra says, so he turns around to come back in the cabin. And Cassandra says, go to him. My, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it's, she, like, runs up to him and jumps in his arms like a classic wartime bride welcoming yeah. her long-lost husband home. Like, he's been gone for 15 minutes, and you've <laughs> known him for 30. Like, yes. calm down. Mm. Yes. But they decide after this that they're going to go back to the compound, and they're going to start a new life together, right? Uh, y- yes, the compound that um, Marley and Cassandra were from, where yes. the wedding was happening. Yes. Mm-hmm. So Um, they show up at the compound. And of course, Cliff was this guy that I guess was obsessed with her, even though he's an older guy. And she says, uh, Cassandra says, this is our savior and Marley's new man. Our savior? Really? Okay. Of course, when they get to the compound, everyone's like, he's a ravager. How could you bring him here? And they're like, he's not like other ravagers, just like she's not like other girls. Yes. (laughs) He's nice. He's a good man. He's a good guy and he's my new boyfriend. So yes, of course I'm bringing him back. And um, of course they're up in arms over it, but Cassandra ends up defending him the most, which really surprises everyone. And is kind of like the tipping point for them accepting him into their little city they have. Yes. And she tells them that Boris is dead and he cut his head off and they're all super impressed with that. And Cliff, I guess is the, compound cook and he's like come on you guys must be hungry i'll make you something to eat and the next (laughs) thing we know it's the epilogue and it's eight months later (laughs) uh yeah she's eight months pregnant no Mm. shock there yep because he's Um, breeding her that's the point (laughs) yeah Um, This was actually a decent follow-up to what they've been doing since they met, I thought, and like kind of the things they're doing to make it a civilized society. Mm -hmm. The epilogue was okay. This first epilogue, we actually get two epilogues in the book. Yeah, I've never seen that before. That was interesting. So yeah, yeah, it was nice. That one was from hers. Mm -hmm. And then um, the next one was his. Yes, and this is now 10 years later. The second epilogue was kind of stupid. Was it? So it's 10 years later and he's talking to their oldest kid, Daniel. So I guess their first kid is a boy. Yeah. Um, He's talking about like he doesn't want to go to school, but uh, Max makes him go to school. But they already have another kid at school named Emily. So it's like, why is one of your kids at school and the other kid isn't? That didn't really make sense. And they also have like a little baby and not really a newborn, but a tiny-ish baby. 
Yeah, so they have three children now at this point. But how do you... I don't know. Okay, you're not you're not really doing a breeding fetish correctly if you only have three kids in 10 right. years. You like, should have nine. Exactly. You should have at least seven. <laughs> yes, but he, he's explaining to Daniel that school is very important and they had to... That his generation had to stop the zombies and education is very important. He's worked really hard to change the society for the better. So, okay. So they're doing well, I guess. Um, they, now that all the kids are out of the house, except for the baby, mm -hmm. we have one more like <laughs> quick hurried sex scene, mm. which was pretty true to like how people would actually do it with a newborn. Yeah. Um, and then the baby gets woken up and he offers to get the baby from the crib, which is a little girl. Um, and that's the end of the book. Yeah. But you forgot that uh, he, in his, he's thinking and he, he explains that when they're, when they're feisty, when she's feisty, she'll put on that red dress that she has from 10 years ago and he'll put on his black pants and they recreate their first night together. Oh, I don't remember that at all. And I'm sorry, if you had three kids, that shit ain't not fitting you. <laughs> I, know. I know. I'm like, you mean the dress that's all covered in zombie blood or, or ravager? Yeah, she's, now, if this is 10 years later, so she's 30 years old, three kids later, that's not fitting you. Let's be a little realistic in this post-zombie apocalypse romance, Okay. I say if you're going for a fantasy, let's do a full-blown fantasy. And, you know, I'm your high school clothes should still fit you. I guess. Yeah. All right. So, uh, rating this book. What did you rate this book? I give it two stars because it started good, but then the ending really killed it for me. Yeah, I gave it one star. One panty. Dry panty. Because it started good, like you said. But then once it started into the sex scene, I could not at any point in time wrap my head around anything that was happening between them. That's a really good point. Because I think dry is the ultimate descriptor <laughs> here. Because the scenes were not hot. Like, they weren't. No, I... Uh, seriously, I've read romance novels... For years and years and years. And honest to God, there was one other book that I started reading. Oh my God, I can't even remember the name of it. I think it was called Bound. I, I can't remember, but it was so... Well, at least this sex scene I could laugh at. But there was one book I was reading. This, it was so horrible and brutal that I had to stop reading the book and take a shower. Because it was just... <laughs> You had to wash off the ick. I did. It was really creeped me out. Um, but yeah, this book was, I don't know what the author was trying to accomplish by having them have a sex scene like they did. Because like you said, the beginning of the book was good. And I was really interested. And I thought, oh, this is going to be great. And it's going to be funny. But no, I'm not into 13 year old boys writing porno for me. Yeah, I liked the two main characters. Um, Max was an alpha male to the extreme, but I actually didn't mind it. Um, it was a pretty good mix of like funny, sexy, and hot, but like the dialogue just, the sex scenes were straight up filthy and not really in a good way for me. I'm mm -hmm. not into the breeder kink. So if you're into that, maybe you'll really like this book, but I just thought it was kind of gross. Um, I just, it all to me, to me, it was all degrading 
sex talk and I am not into degrading degrading sex talk is not um hot to me I don't know it's not even like degrading it's just not there's just like no emotion to it it's just like robotic it's just I don't know it's like scripted That's maybe why it's, it's maybe it's not degrading because they're both they were both into it but yeah it is scripted. this book was like a hot version of the walking dead when it started so that was kind of cool mm -hmm. but once we got to like whatever the scene was where they made it to the cabin that's when the book really lost me yeah me too i agree all right um should we talk about our next book or do you want to talk about anything else or um oh my kitchen is finally done that's super exciting if that's what you mean and i'm gonna maybe bake a pie today nice yeah <laughs> i haven't had a kitchen seriously for eight months that is very exciting it is really exciting i made a martha stewart sicilian pot roast last night it was delicious delicious <laughs> so <laughs> so glad i found that recipe for you yeah thank well, you or downloaded it for you or whatever <laughs> you should have seen all the people on instagram that were kind enough to um send me the link so that i could get that recipe oh <laughs> i know it was very nice. grateful yeah bunch of foodies it's like help another foodie out i want to make this but i can't figure out where the yeah i can't figure out recipe how to... is <laughs> i can't figure out where the bio <laughs> is i can't stand technology but okay what about you what are your plans for today anything fun um no i <laughs> okay i have to do laundry i have to edit this episode oh i'm sorry i have to try to run a couple errands and it's a sunday so i gotta do like typical pre-work week stuff which is fine i mean i don't have any other plans other than doing this with you and doing that so yeah a... this is my one thing i have to remember that thing i sent you on instagram about i don't know why when i have one thing to do on a day that's it yeah this is it i'm done for the day <laughs> well see you'll be done before 10 a.m so now you can just Take a nap or relax oh, or I make will. a pie or whatever. I'm exhausted from being up for two and a half hours. It's time for me to lay down. <laughs> I feel that. Yeah, I bet you do. I actually took two naps yesterday. I was so tired. No, good for you. It was glorious. Yeah, <laughs> I only took one, but it was glorious too. Oh, okay, so our next book is After I Fall by Melissa Circia. And you finished that, right? I think we both finished that already. Yeah, I did finish it. It's the first time I've ever read anything by her. Yeah, me too. Oh, good. She's a new to both of us author, I think. So was this author. Um, a lot of authors, actually, that we've been doing on this podcast, we've never read before, which is kind of nice. Find some new people. Yeah, what, um, are, what are you reading now? I am actually reading a book by Alessa Thorne. You oh, remember the yes. The author that did Asterian, the, a different episode we have featured earlier. She had a book come out a few days ago. Um, it's called Sharpest Edge. It's, oh, oh uh, yeah, I saw that on Instagram. Okay, yeah, it's book two in a series. It's The series is kind of like uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith versus National Treasure, <laughs> um, but way sexier. Mm. Kind of like about mercenaries and things that they do in Europe and so there's no paranormal anything there's a little bit of magic but not much yeah I'm all about apparently the shifters and magic yeah so most of the people in the book are just 
regular people, mm -hmm. quote unquote regular people, but a couple of them have a little bit of magic. Like one of the women has some tarot cards and a little bit of magic she doesn't really understand. A different guy has a little bit of magic also. Um, so it's a, it's a little bit of that, but not much. I really like the series. It's pretty good. I am reading The Reluctant Savior by Rebecca Hoffner, which is book four in the End of Hatred series. And I'm loving it. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah, you're way further along in that series than I am. Yeah, I, I'm really liking it. And I'm going to be sad when I finish it. Like I said, there's six books in the series and I'm almost done with book four. Yeah, but she has other stuff, right? So you're right. There's other authors. So, but I'm glad you're liking it. That yeah. was definitely a good find for us. Yeah, it really was. So, um, yes, that's it for the day. Um, okay, so I'm going to do the wrap-up now, if that's fine. Yeah, go right ahead. Okay, so you can rate and review us on Apple Podcast. Uh, you can rate us on Spotify, Instagram. <clears throat> Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Instagram is at Bonded Books Podcast. A Facebook group is The Parlor. There's a link to all of that in our show notes for this episode. And you can email us at bondedbookspodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Well, you have a great day. All right. You too. All right, Enjoy honey. that kitchen. Oh, I will. I'm going right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Bye, honey. Bye. Bye.